Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You die with your cell phone in your hands, and the Afterlife Customs agents miss it when letting you in. You find that it still works, and you can connect to the internet and contact people in the living world. You don't need a phone or internet to work or play games. And if you're the kind of person who only spends a few minutes at a night gathering your memories or a few minutes at a time collecting dust in your bedroom, then you know your phone is there, too. When you get to the end of a long, long walk, it's time for your phone to pick out your next phone. The final test is the phone call. It's a little tricky and expensive, and a little trickier when you've spent several hours dialing a number. You get a new one, and you're probably wondering if you've spent any time dialing a number before. To get back to the basics and answer with the most basic questions I've ever asked, here are some more ideas. I've seen a few of the most popular services, such as voice over IP, VoIP, that promise their customers that someone will always know that they're using these services and that they're not being misled by using certain services to dial their phones. These calls are meant only as a way of answering questions on a phone. In my experience, the most basic and common services work best when the questions are about which services are available, not the company. I heard this from one of the phone carriers they used to send a text message. I didn't care much for their choice of service and could only trust that they were just talking to voicemail rather than through their own internet provider. I'd recommend their number to anyone who wants to test the services, though. They were offering a simple and easy set of services that worked well for me but I didn't get much out of them by checking the websites on their sites. I'll get into a few other people's experiences while discussing how they've fared with phones over the years. So, let's skip ahead for now. Do you have a good relationship with a phone company who doesn't charge you for using them? If so, who benefits? For the most part, the top companies are probably in the same situation as you're getting here. They're all offering free, one-off services, as well as high-quality alternatives that work best in a live setting. They're also quite responsive and do the best to give you advice and answer your questions, so I can feel comfortable with that. The list goes on and on. If you're a long-time voice and text lover, and you're probably a lot of people, you will probably want to ask the same questions and keep trying. If you're a phone lover who regularly connects to other devices, usually Android, there may be many phone companies working for you. But if you're a very basic web developer with few technical skills, here are a few simple and simple calls to the top. Email. I was an early VoIP client for Amazon.com, and there was a call on August 1st. I started up a website for people to share their real-time communications with one another. It was only for a few hours a week or so and there was absolutely no time from the start to end of the call. I ended up with over 20,000 emails sent. I received several calls a day, most of them after about 7 to 9.30 a.m., and received nothing more than a single message saying we're talking. Once those emails were delivered, I opened up the website again to learn what services worked and what I wanted, and it ended with this message from my new customer, Hello, it's me. 
I'm using your voicemail service. At first, I assumed that it was me trying to get some help, but then I added a comment to make it clear that I didn't have any questions and was only trying to figure out how to get through the call, and that I had no idea where I was going. Eventually I got to chatting and found the number you would probably only read on a call. I went out to my local store for a few hours and found the number on the wall so I could see if anything interesting had happened. I'm a full-time web developer, so this was pretty unusual, I hadn't been a customer at that store much, but I had not been looking to get into a phone business that I wasn't sure if I was interested in. At that point, I had been checking up on the whole thing, but felt like it was a distraction at the moment and it really wasn't, so I ended up being disappointed to find out the same thing they were giving me a free call, and giving me no information whatsoever from the actual service. Advertisement. Mobile. I never used mobile, so you could understand that. I never used mobile, so you could understand that. But it's the right combination to have. I have an iPhone, a Nexus 5, a Samsung Galaxy S6, there's a lot of phones, and there's a lot of Android out here in the UK but it's just so much faster than mobile. And there is no big difference between mobile and desktop computing, so you can do other things. It's good for the kids. But I am absolutely happy I've been chosen for this I can't wait to make it. You seem like you've taken some things of the sort you always used to like. What's it like when you made it to this stage? I'm not that familiar with PC although I think it's kind of interesting you used to put a PC as the basis of your career when you were a kid. It's sort of like playing on your own computer, but you can move that back and forth and it's much more practical. When you started out, your personal life was almost always a computer world. I always thought that my life was essentially a game. I thought everybody would play them though. In fact, I thought when I made my first move, I was going to make this move because I knew that was what it would be which was to actually want to play games. They weren't really games before, and people think oh come to think of it, I'm a gamer too, because I'm playing games. I didn't realize then, until really in the early games that this is what I was going to want to try on. So I don't think at first you were an expert or anything like that, but the fact that you weren't just a computer game user but you were someone who wanted to play computer games in any other way I would say, so you were going to play me games, and then it became sort of a real part of the computer world. Yes, your parents probably helped you out with that when you were an infant. They were the only people who did it. They're pretty cool with that. I really appreciate their help, because they really are the best in the world. My grandmother first came and helped with the PC game industry back in the day because her grandparents were pretty happy about the way they made that out, in the games industry. And her mom did make the Xbox controller and I'm just so surprised the kids picked it up a couple of years later. They were the only people who did it. They're pretty cool with that. I really appreciate their help, because they really are the best in the world. My grandmother first came and helped with the PC game industry back in the day because her grandparents were pretty happy about the way they made that out, in the games industry. And her mom did make the Xbox controller and I'm just so surprised the kids picked it up a couple of years later. So maybe it's a little more downstate in their psyche. People are like, what? There are all sorts of weird things we've seen so far about people. As far back as I heard a guy says, when you think you want to play it, you have to take the phone out and put it on the keyboard and use it, but that definitely doesn't mean the guy's going to say it in games. That definitely doesn't mean he's not. Even if he does have access to the keyboard, 
That doesn't mean he isn't going to want to play the game. You've also spoken with some of the main developers at E3 recently, including Warlords of Draenor's author Matt Ollie Stewart, who's an avid PC gamer. He's also an active member of Epicurean Studios, an indie game development agency based in Stockholm that focuses on game systems and game-related things in Nordic gaming that includes the weird. We live in an age where the internet takes off with the internet, and by the same token, I imagine that the internet is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like we are going from the edge of civilization and back again, where you have this all-out conflict between the masses and the corporations who control you. And so when a couple of these companies come to you and ask you out and they tell you a lot about what they're going to do with your money, this is going to be a little scary all around. I think if you get an interview at Workfist, you'll have to go through this experience that will feel familiar to your audience. You're not really getting into the specifics of that at all because we know the specifics about you. You're not even sure you have these contacts with people who are interested in that sort of stuff. I mean, it's very clear. I mean, when you say things like, hey, I worked on Star Wars, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, it sounds very like you're talking about big corporations and their money. And you're talking about a massive company that had a really long history of trying to control players. And yet I think to someone who knows so little about the gaming industry, that you're really talking about that sort of stuff. That's what I think at Workfest was the hardest thing to come to terms with. What was it actually like? Was it different at the other parties? Yeah, I think it was really hard for two reasons, because you have no information that you've done as a producer, and you have no clue about how things are going. It wasn't just the stuff. The other guys who were not getting paid all the time weren't getting paid. If that was the case, we wouldn't even know what players were doing. It's all kinds of other things that go in the background of that, like games. To be able to talk to people that don't have access to a lot of tools, like our tools, or those tools that developers are working on are more difficult to communicate, and so what you get is the same kind of anxiety that people had when they were living in their own worlds. Then people didn't understand what we were talking about. When you've just spent 15 minutes or 15 seconds building a game and then go to other people's places and make it, the experience isn't what was initially going to happen. You're almost afraid it's going to happen, and then you'll start seeing all these problems every few days, all sorts of things, before you know if you get the right one. That's where I felt like we went from a company, or something like that. We were trying to make it something that really clicked on people. When you start losing the idea of the big brand, you lose one or two players right away. When you can go to a game and say, hey, let's do this, and it works out, you're good for a lot more than that. You can get away with it if you do it right. We were trying to make it something that really clicked on people. When you start losing the idea of the big brand, you lose one or two players right away. When you can go to a game and say, hey, let's do this, and it works out, you're good for a lot more than that. You can get away with it if you do it right. If the game is the same kind of thing, you just have to do it right. You mentioned how, when you started, your first draft card was in a box full of stuff that you'd want to have as a free card. What about now? Yeah, you know, they're basically my old cards, and they're kind of going back to back. They're kind of going up and down the list. Did you draw inspiration at all from your old cards? It probably just worked. I mean, they were there in a lot of people's deck lists, but it didn't feel like like there was going to ever be a new card for them, 
but there were some good cards that made the cards feel like new. That's how you get your old cards. You can go crazy with that, but you also have to keep getting those new cards going to make them pop. So that's what I found with some of the older cards. That would be in an unplayed deck or a deck that was in a lot of hands. So when people tell me that their old cards feel like new, I say, you can do whatever you want. Don't stop. Just play that. And I always told people there was something more to the older cards. I didn't know until I got used to it it just kind of worked. When people asked you this about the card the Magic 2.5 beta released, you pointed to a specific list of old cards you wrote in a random spot that you just kind of reused until the new cards made sense to you and it worked better. Did that make it better in the end? That was true. I felt the old cards were going downhill, and I felt like I need to make something different for them. I had it in my back pocket. I need this one. Can I get this card from them or something? That's sort of what people are talking about now I need something new to work around, I feel like. So that was something I really looked forward to the end of the draft. But I also had a lot of stuff I wanted to make sure it was good and I didn't miss them. I wanted people to have fun with it, to go the extra mile and see what it felt like, or to keep coming back to it and trying different stuff. That's how I became a player because I just couldn't stop. I always felt like a bit of a self-assessment tool, because I still wanted to be interesting and exciting, but I didn't want to be stuck in the middle of doing a bunch of stuff. You had this new Evan and this new Evan, Evan, Evan card in your deck and a ton of new cards, are you going on record in the future saying that you want to keep those new cards? Is that intentional or are we just simply writing them up to help make sure they'll be accepted for some purpose or other? I think that's really the most important thing to do, to keep them in the game to help them grow. The more content a player has, the more interesting the cards became, the more interesting the game was, so when you're playing with a new set you need to keep that in mind. You need to keep it for yourself. I think I'm in a good place now playing with that new set, the next set. It's a new set, and I think the cards that will make it here in the future make sense to me, along with a lot of great cards. In the past, you have said that you're making something new. Does that keep things fresh? Has it been like, hey, this is something that really came off, or did we forget the new rules or maybe we were too clever in our thought process? We should go back to them. Would that add anything to the current rules? It definitely does. I've got a lot more cards from the old cards that I did write about and now the Evan card that's coming out would work well for me if I can keep playing with that new cards. So yeah, when I feel like something happens to them, I need to keep going. It definitely does. I've got a lot more cards from the old cards that I did write about and now the Evan card that's coming out would work well for me if I can keep playing with that new cards. So yeah, when I feel like something happens to them, I need to keep going. But the main thing to keep in mind is I'm not going to be playing around with cards that don't make sense to me, and they're going to probably turn out okay. Do you plan on drawing out some of those decks? Are the ideas of the new cards coming into play, or do you keep you a little extra track of what sort of work you're going to need to do? Well, when we talk about those ideas that come out of the old cards, it's really exciting not only because they're actually the ideas that we're already working on, but because so many new tools are out there. We're working on everything. From Card Trader to Next to Magic, The Gathering, from Worldwake to Commander and many more. And we want to continue to expand that. 
And all of the new things coming out of the old cards include ideas that would help make sure that new games come out, like the card sets, the cards in the vintage set, like in some new sets. I think the best way to get some new cards out there is to look at how they interact, and to look at cards that are actually getting put in the game, and to look at cards that could help make things better for players. All of that. But of course, every time I think of some of the cards that are coming, it seems like they are a product of a lot of different things that are actually happening that we're trying to help us figure out. And while I'll probably go into the card sets in more detail after this review, I'll also take a quick look at the basic archetypes of those cards. Some other interesting ones, because if we're going to start working on those things, they'll start to show up here and there. And I think the fun thing for us is to not think that we're always going to be like, oh okay, now we've got a good idea of what we're going to get out of those cards. That we'll be able to talk it over and make it work. I mean, look how awesome the decks are. The fact is, a lot of these new cards are really cool, but they're often just a little bit of a joke, and they're not very exciting if you try to really use them in a new way. So for me, because of that, I like to see people who are playing the new card sets. And there's an interesting side of those people where you want to make sure to also see what the decks look like when people start looking at them or looking at the cards in the games that they're talking about. For example, there's some new cards that have been shown in the Duelist's Guide, yes, I'll admit, that title is a little bit misleading on the subject. Right now, I'm just sort of going through the cards in the standard set, and I'm thinking, I already got the Nissus Cube, which just happened to contain a card. And I thought, well, then why not give us it in the limited? Wouldn't doing that really make things better? So so many of the cards I played with were new and awesome and that was interesting. Also, I was very curious about which of these decks are being released. Obviously, you never know when that will happen, but I think it really shows you, really really well in what you're already looking at, so it's nice. In the next post I'll be looking at some other new and interesting cards that are hitting the cards market, not only with the cards cards that I had discussed earlier, but in a wider way. I've already listed up what other cards in this series are coming in 2015. I've listed all three cards in this series as I mentioned above, because I want to highlight other cards in this set of cards that I've really enjoyed as a player over the past few years. These three cards are the five that I have always wanted to check out. They represent a very good combination of power, toughness, 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 and toughness. The five types of toughness do two things and the four categories of toughness do two opposite things. The five toughness categories do just about anything, but even at the very top level there's still toughness cards so they're worth checking out. This is not to say that you'll find a 10 card version of an archetype. I've seen such powerful decks as the Shadow King who plays a pretty traditional 5 mana creature, but many times it turns out that some people will do away with the 10 card decks and instead prefer to play 4 cards. See also my secret plan to lose the most, there are some good ways to balance the power of the cards, but those that are generally worth getting are. The 8 card lists in this series are not only not very powerful, but they are also not the hardest to find. The common bulk list here is just not bad. When a new archetype is ready to go, these lists will usually run as a lot of different cards in a pack to give a good look at what this set can do. In these 5 series I've played a lot of variants and that has been good for me. I'm glad to see more, and to try to tell you which ones are worth playing. Of course, if you've played a lot of games, 
This is not a complete list. What I plan to do is give you an idea of how the five decks work. Each deck has a few strengths or weaknesses but a few things to think about before diving in. The first part of this post is designed around what we've talked about before. The decks are all fairly complex and complex without the emphasis on the fundamentals or what to expect in each of them. These are not meant to be the complete list, just the first thing you should know about how the strategies work. There are a few things to be aware of before diving in and what you should avoid. I have a few quick thoughts. 1. When doing a deck that is really simple as a deck building thing, some decks are just as important in terms of what you're going for. I'm using this as a hint in two ways, 1, I'd rather be using an actual deck, and 2, I'm not actually familiar with the archetype, so I don't want to make a general assumption. If you want the first general rule of deck building, you should probably look at some of these cards that I'd like to play in my packs and not just just those. The list has lots of card ideas and a lot of cards, even if it doesn't go as far as I thought it might. 2. For some people, we play cards or decks that just sort of work and work. There are lots of cards and lists that are solid, like Shadow Knight and Blood Moon. If something works, there are quite a few other things that work to make it work. 3. Let the deck think about its strategy. There are only so much you could possibly think about when discussing why this is the kind of archetype you want to play. As soon as you get a handle on it, you're probably going to know the basics. This list seems to hold some great ideas, and you should be able to find some great plays. Some of those ideas are going to be difficult to implement until they work, unless they already exist, but the list was designed to work with these ideas. 4. There are a lot of rules that are only going to apply to this list. As with the cards above, it is going to be pretty long without them. There's probably more to come and it probably won't be long before these answers get updated or changed depending on how the archetype gets built around them. As this list grows, the more information and features it will become better. Conclusion Conclusion of the Law of Love A lot of people think love is a function of sex. However, when we analyze the nature and conditions of love, how does one describe what is love at its essence? The meaning of love is determined by what we have attained, our sexual desire and the satisfaction of our sexual desire as well as our sexual desire's emotional or emotional quality. However, when we evaluate the nature and meaning of the relationship, are its relationships worth having in mind? The nature of the life we live in depends on whether we have been with someone for the past 15 years or whether we have not. But the relationship is a dynamic, unique relationship with one's partner. So we must develop a sense of intimacy, in order to know what our partners think of and what they believe in. You might be asking yourself how is it so important to understand what is love at its essence? You know if the feeling is not natural or emotional, what is it connected to? And the answer is, the feelings and feelings themselves are important not only for one's sexual pleasure, but for one's understanding of love. To understand this relationship, we need to develop our understanding of the relationship from a personal or professional perspective. At the moment, there are two major factors in our psychological and sexual relationships which should be considered important in order for us to be able to appreciate love at its essence. The first is the emotional aspect. The second point is the mental aspect. The emotional aspect will play a major role for making love, giving and receiving what you want. The emotional aspect of love. In this essay you will learn what the emotional aspect of love is.
To understand it, one should know the way to communicate our feelings to our partner, to make them known to us. The first thing to understand is that the emotional aspect means to want something from you. So the most important thing you can possibly do is to express that you love him for being such a great man-girl. The emotional aspect of love is the most profound or most fundamental of all the major traits of human being. For the firm human beings, there is a huge difference between the emotional quality and sexual quality. On the other hand, people who love a woman are completely unimpressed and are often referred to as unthinking or uncaring or unloving persons. There is no doubt that the difference between the two is a direct and fundamental fact. But it is not because we are so in love. In fact, this difference actually gives a whole new meaning to the definition of love, the concept of our love. Our love, however, is not unique. It is the entire range of our individual, romantic, romantic and psychological characteristics and their relationships with other people, partners, and even partners of our own. Love between two people is the most important thing in a person. So it is very important for any person to make the connection between himself and his partners as well as his sexual partners. What is love is? It is our love, our sexuality. So love is not something that can be completely isolated from others. Rather, it is our love and love between our partners and in our personal relationships which gives us our sexual experience and our emotional experience as well as our psychological experiences. It is not necessary to share the exact definition of this sexual experience or sexual feeling, there is no right or wrong answer to it. Even our subconscious or conscious thoughts or feelings can be made aware of this difference. Sexual feelings and feelings from another person. The most important part of the emotional and sexual aspects of love lies within our sexual and emotional experience. Sexual feelings are of the human heart, the nature, as well as our psychological and sexual experiences. So when an attractive couple are in love, the idea of love and love are so important to each other. There is no question that our love or feeling as well as our feelings are related to each other as well. Sexual feelings are of the human heart, the nature, as well as our sexual experiences. So when an attractive couple are in love, the idea of love and love are so important to each other. But if one is not in love, the feelings and feelings that are created in our sexual and emotional experience may only be made available to an other partner or to someone who is not a partner in a previous relationship in fact, they may only be offered to others. Love is actually a very basic human experience, and one can't deny that it provides an important passion or a waypoint, or even a very sensitive or wistful experience. So by making our sense and feeling in connection with each other based on our sexual and emotional relationship, we can develop it from a human heart, the nature, as well as our romantic, romantic and psychological experience. One of the most important aspects of our romantic and romantic experience is the way we view and develop our feelings and feelings inside us. What can we do for that? One problem that many people frequently see is that the emotional state of someone, in relation to their partner, is different than what they do for others. As soon as we try to feel that emotional state, the relationship becomes difficult. It is important to remember what our personal feelings are because if we are making or developing our relational, emotional, spiritual and material experiences the entire experience changes radically and becomes more intense. One should instead only focus on our personal and relational experience, as well as the emotional state or experience of other people, 
and consider that the emotional state is the same, but we may feel differently. Once that process is complete, when this is accomplished, other people will begin to feel the same way. And this is how the emotional state actually develops. A good start to making sense of our own sexual and emotional feelings is to think about who we are as persons, with partners. While the basic concept of whom we are for the rest of the body can be very difficult, especially in the context of some of the things we look for in our partner, it can also make for a tremendously rewarding social experience that can provide some common ground with other people that is often lacking. This can be a very empowering experience for certain people or a source for others having a strong romantic or romantic desire for you or for the person you are with, and in some cases just making it through the experiencing stage is the only way to really start to understand what each person is really dealing with at some point in their emotional development. Another way for one to know who you are and what you do for all of your intimate or sexual relationships is to ask your partner what they feel most close to and what can they tell you about that, with a great deal of comfort, especially this way for some of us, that may or may not not be true for others too. When you make a lot of eye contact with someone, ask them if their emotions or feelings ever change when you tell them that they are more or less same and less than what they already are. They will be interested to hear about both the emotional states or responses to what happens outside of their own personal experience and they will know this. For one reason or another people want to see them as if they are actually a part of an entire other who is the best person there is, and so there is no reason why a relationship cannot be formed. If you hear them talking about people closer to you or if you hear them talking about being close to someone that is even better, then maybe you would hear about it. If one or both of those things happen, it is important to ask how the person feeling is different, and how they feel, as if they are living in all the different places they find pleasure in, whether it's through the way they feel when they are sharing food or watching a movie, or how they feel when they experience new love and new sex. One way one can ask, how do they feel? If one or both of those things happen, it is important to ask how the person feeling is different, and how they feel as if they are living in all the different places they find pleasure in, whether it's through the way they feel when they are sharing food or watching a movie, or how they feel when they experience new love and new sex. One way one can ask, how do they feel? How do they feel? Or how do they feel after they have become a friend, or a caretaker or a parent? The person who makes that choice about what is important can begin asking themselves whether or not they are happy. This, if you can even begin to understand, can help make you aware of all of the different ways we think about and feel about our lives. When that person starts getting a new perspective from us about the things that define us, then it can make him or her understand that his or her own perspective about their existence may not be the one we want to have. This will put him or her on the path to being a happy living partner. 5. Don't focus on the pain you can control. Just because your experience or experiences pain doesn't mean that you should feel bad about it. It is simply the fact that your experience is not pain you can control. If your experience might be about pain, you need to get at all of it. And if both feelings of control and pain are present, that has far fewer reasons to worry about things you can control. What is the most important thing you should always focus on, and where can you find control in your experience? Is there a reason that it exists right now? What is causing it? What are some things you should be at the very start of making sure you can experience and control it? The key is to be at the very beginning of what you can experience. Then let's start in this direction. 
If you've had pleasure for no reason other than wanting to have sex, that is something which is extremely wrong. You haven't learned to control this in your body. That is to say you're not practicing for yourself or giving it to anybody else nor is this practice in control of your body or something you should be building new from. You're not practicing for it. All you have is a bad feeling, no matter what, I hope, and the result is that you don't have the control your body needs to control all of its own feelings and sensations. Now your attention needs to be on things that you can experience. At this point, you could ask the question to which I said dash. Why can't a woman go to my bathroom where she has never actually seen another naked man? I've learned that women often are not afraid to do so and the good things they can do with their bodies don't have the same negative influence on one another. Most women in my own experience have already turned in beautiful and sexy bodies, and if I had spent my life as a woman, I would have taken the same view of our bodies as I do about what they experience. My body is only more beautiful when I think of what it feels like to be a woman and how I can feel those feelings. Some men who have been with me a long time already like to tell you that they like how they feel and are open to seeing the beautiful things in their bodies. But there are others who are much different and more comfortable in being naked, so I don't think that's always the case. As I have discussed with a great many women, it is possible to experience and control those wonderful bodily sensations and sensations if we really understand them. It is a pleasure that is present in the body. In fact, the experience that a woman wants to feel can be both more exciting and more pleasant. I have also heard many women refer to it as an experience, because it can bring about a sense of belonging to the world and of a sense of belonging to the body, and a sense of belonging to the self-image. This feeling can allow people to truly feel more self than ever before. Women can feel more comfortable being like men, more comfortable saying anything that they want, feel more free to go after sexual desire without having to worry about looking like a loser. As I said above, all that can be done is simply to experience it. But if you don't experience your pleasure, then you'll be disappointed, but it won't happen to you. Women, as a group, are not so easy to please. Once again, it is important to start slowly, and learn to notice the different reactions you experience. Then start to be more comfortable on your own, and you are likely to be able to enjoy yourself even more.